Welcome to the Lawyerist Podcast with Sam Glover and Aaron Street. Each week, Lawyerist brings you advice and interviews to help you build a more successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are Sam and Aaron. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 21 of the Lawyerist Podcast, a weekly podcast about lawyering and law practice. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or using your favorite podcast app, or you can listen to it at lawyerist.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate it if you took 30 seconds to give us a rating in iTunes. We recently published my new guide to computer security, about which Deborah Savadra, might be Savadra actually, the legal office guru says, Lawyerist's four-step security upgrade is a critical investment in peace of mind, yours and your clients. Find out more and get it at lawyerist.com shop. Sponsoring today's podcast is Ruby Receptionists. Sign up for a free trial at callruby.com lawyerist, and Ruby will answer your phones for free for two weeks. Okay, Sam. So you have two daughters. I have one. They all go to daycare together. I just got an message today that tomorrow is vegetable day for show and tell at daycare. I'm so thrilled that my kids will not be there because I, we don't have broccoli outfits. What, <laughs> what do I possibly have my daughter bring for show and tell that's vegetable related without making her <sighs> cry? Like I could give her a can of green beans, <laughs> but then I'm a bad father. I was confused about that one. I don't even know. Like, I think you make them, I, you know, maybe they have a t-shirt with vegetables on it or something. I don't have a t-shirt. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to go get a t-shirt with vegetables on it for tomorrow. Plus, tomorrow you know, is also Hawaiian clothes day. No, here's what I would do. Okay. Right, because your daughter likes tutus and fairies just like mine do. Okay. And I would probably convince them. I'd spend a couple of hours, maybe an hour tonight and a little bit of time tomorrow morning, convincing them that the fairy or the princess or the monster or the superhero on their shirt was actually a superhero of vegetables. That makes no sense to me. So they would go in and they would, and Caroline would explain to her class that Batman eats all of his vegetables and protects vegetables. Okay. Okay. Because that's like the anarchist approach to Vegetable Day, I think. You do like the anarchist approach. <laughs> but otherwise, I have no idea how you could do it seriously. Okay. Should we actually <laughs> talk nothing. about law stuff, maybe? Yeah. On our law Forget. podcast, as opposed to talking about daycare? Well, it's, I think I've just litigated my kids around the vegetable show and tell day, but yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Batman eats his vegetables. That is the lawyerist lesson of the day. So there was this article the other day, um, uh, I guess it was really a TV news story um, about somebody who was dumpster diving or happened to look in the garbage behind an office building and saw tons and tons of paper with sensitive client data that apparently a law firm had just thrown wills and financial records and case files and all sorts of things in the garbage for anyone to find. Did you see this? I saw it. I'm just disgusted by it. Are you surprised? I mean, it's just frustrating, right? Because we're trying to convince people that they need to be basically competent when it comes to technology. And then you find a whole firm full of lawyers who are incompetent when it comes to paper. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like we've got all sorts of stuff on paperless office things, which would have prevented some of this. But even for folks who have all the paper in the world, shred that shit. Right. It's not even, but yeah, it's not even a question of would paperless could prevent this or not. It's just a pre- question of not being an idiot. And and so you know, let's say let's say we convince this law firm that they need to be basically technically competent. They're going to do the same stupid things with their digital files as they're doing with their paper files right now. It's just, it's terrible. I mean, use some common sense, people. Yeah. So you and I had a solution um, back when we had an office together that I think more lawyers should adopt. I know a lot of lawyers spend eighty or a hundred or two hundred dollars on a little desk shredder that they'll then process once a week or once a month. And I think that's a terrible solution. It works. Like, if that's what you're going to do, do it. But what we found is that using Iron Mountain or some other service, you can usually get monthly shredding service for about 20 bucks a month. And it's so much peace of mind. And you don't have to have the noisy shredder going in the background all the time. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was like forty bucks a month. Actually, I, I think it was forty bucks a pickup, and we only had it picked up every other month because there were five lawyers in the office, and or five people in the office, and we only generated about that much paper. And yeah, I mean, I'd done my own shredding for years, and then you know, I think, I think we tried to put a consumer shredder in the in the copy room and in the file room, and it just was a log jam. Nobody could get anything done. And it took forever, and so we all agreed to go in on the the shredding bin. And oh man, that was just such a better thing. Yes. So, so that's better. my piece of advice for the day. Yeah. So if you have for every five lawyers, get a pickup every other month, and it'll be twenty bucks a month, and it's so worth it. Especially because those shredders wear out too. So you're gonna end up spending about twenty bucks a month on shredders, no matter what. And if you're not convinced. We will link to the horror story from Florida in the show notes to this post so you can read about the wrong way to do this. <laughs> the trash is not secure. Yeah. All right. Good lesson. So today I'm talking to Todd Hendrickson, a solo med mal lawyer in Missouri, about his practice and how he gets the most out of his limited resources by using technology. Hi, Todd. Welcome to the Lawyerist Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I, as I think you know, our tradition here is to let our guests introduce themselves. So would you give us a short introduction and a little bio, who you are and what you do? Uh, I'm a trial attorney. I'm, I'm practice in throughout the state of Missouri and in central and southern Illinois. I, my practice is focused on uh, medical malpractice, prosecuting cases for plaintiffs. Uh, I've been doing, I've been practicing law for 25 years and my focus has been on medical malpractice probably for 16, 17 years. Um, and that's pretty much it. I'm a solo attorney and, and utilize as much, um, technology as I can to make my practice work smoother and easier for me, make it very mobile, which I think is necessary given the geographic area that I work in. Yeah, you. I, I guess I just pulled up a map because it was not obvious to me that Missouri and Illinois were right next to each other. 
Yes, separated by the Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's. I feel terrible about that. There you go, ignorant northerner. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I, I get calls uh, from attorneys on either the east or the west coast, and they call me and they want me to be local counsel for a case in Kansas City. And I'm like, well, I can do that, but you realize it's not really local. It's four hours right. away. <laughs> so, and you are you're solo, right? I am. No support. Have have been for many uh, many years, um, mostly by choice. Um, I I I just like the freedom of working on my own without having to 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 run things through some kind of committee. I, not to say that I'm adverse to a partnership, but that's just the way it's been for many years. Have you tried it other ways? Have you taken on a partner yeah. and tried to hire associates or whatever? Yeah, I've had um, I've had partners in the past, um, and the last partnership um, ended because my two partners left uh, to pursue other things. Neither well, one is now back practicing law um, full time. The other is completely out of the law business and still very good friends. Um, but, uh, uh, we always joke that I think it was a, I think it was probably a good decision all the way around. <laughs> and have you had, have you tried to hire associates or staff? No, no. It, the reality is, um, with the type of law that I do, I feel like I need to be so immersed in individual cases that my in-depth knowledge of the file is a big advantage mm -hmm. as opposed, I, I just, I just have never turned over something to, to an associate or partner and said, okay, you go take this deposition and then I'll read it and figure out there, there's too much in my mind that, that I get from being, uh, the person handling it that I can utilize later on in the case. Uh, whether it's just a read on the witness or uh, remembering things that occurred. Yeah, and and you're not a volume practice, right? You're making big bets on big cases. Big bets on big cases or medium medium to bigger cases. There 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 are really no small medical malpractice cases. The small ones just aren't economically viable, so they have to be uh, you know medium to large cases. Um, in order to be, to justify what you've got to invest in the case and time and money. I mean, I know, so like, you know, one end of the spectrum is your your typical um, sort of volume practice, like a bankruptcy or a regular, you know, auto accident case where they've got right. dozens, if not, you know, a, you know, a lot of cases. And then on the other end, you've got class action lawyers who are maybe doing two or three at a time. And if they settle one a year, that's a great year. Um, so where does where does your practice fall? Like about how many cases do you have open and active at a time? Yeah, it falls in between. Um, I will probably have forty five to to sixty or so cases in various stages. From um, have just done the intake and are looking to get the records to review all the way to getting ready for trial. Probably the typical for me is to have um, anywhere from a dozen to, to maybe 20 that are 
of those 50 to 60 cases that are actively in, in litigation at any time. And, and that's the, a lot to juggle. Yeah. It's the, and the timetable in the cases, these cases is much longer mm-hmm. than, you know, a, a auto accident case or, or something. I mean, the, the typical case from filing um, is going to be 18 months to two years. And you may spend six months to a year in investigation before you get to filing. I see. Um, and then cases can go as long as after filing, um, you know, five, six, seven years. Oh, wow. Okay. So you've got, so you've got cases. Yeah. And a lot of, so those files are kind of asleep for a fair amount of that time, I imagine. Well, the, 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 the longest I've had is still, is still active. Um, <laughs> we're still on post-trial motions and, um, that for various reasons, because the, 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 the patient was continually in treatment, never, the condition never stabilized and, or resolved, um, it was constantly, well, something new has occurred, so we've we've now got to move the trial back and and more depositions, more experts. I mean, it was... So how long has it been open? Uh, over seven years now. Oh, man. I'm, uh, I'm actually still... I just got called in to help out on an appeal um, for a lawyer who is a client of mine, who, and that's definitely my longest-running case. I, I started doing this the first year I opened my practice in 2005, so 10 years later, I'm still helping. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it's yeah, not I my mean, case, so so I'm not involved in the day to day like I'm sure you are. So I, I I think my longest until this one was I had a case that went through. Uh, it was not a medical case, but it was a products case, and it went through um, to trial. Um, and then we had um, post appeals, uh, 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 post trial issues on that, and then we had appeal issues on how much was due to a. Uh, through subrogation to a workers' compensation carrier, and that generated a case that went, went all the way to the Missouri Supreme Court. Beginning to end, it was like eight years. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so where do your clients come from? How do you get clients? Um, I, I, my advertising for a long time has been limited to my website. Hmm. Um, I do a minimal amount of, of Google advertising, actual advertising, just because ac- by, by actually advertising it, it seems to help your, your native page position. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think I have a, a, a small presence on Avo. Um, and other than that, that that's the extent of the advertising. So most of your clients come in through the internet. Coming through the internet or coming from word of mouth and a lot of referrals, probably about a third of referrals from other attorneys because mm-hmm. not everybody is insane enough to spend all their time doing medical malpractice. So they're happy to spend Almost cases. nobody is. And it's <laughs> happy to send cases to those of us with the, with the uh, psychological deficits to take them. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's pretty rare to find a solo doing med mal, isn't it? Um. Pure solos, yeah, kind of, but but I, I think, well, I mean, I can think of the folks that I know that do it, a significant amount of it in the state, and it's probably split equally between 
you know, what in Missouri we would consider a, a, a small to mid-sized firm of, you know, 10 to 20 lawyers um, and the other half being small firms of solo to two or three. So it's, um, uh, so it's, um, it's not totally unusual, but you can get a lot of ground by being the mad mal referral. Yeah. I mean, the, the reason why I have cases throughout the state is a lot of people who have active personal injury practices get these kind of cases, but because they are in small communities, Mm-hmm. They can't sue the local doctor. They can't sue the local hospital because it will affect their other clients. Um, or or they have personal connections in small communities. So I do a lot of a lot of cases. Probably I'd say half of my caseload is in what we think of as outstate Missouri, outside of uh, of the St. Louis area, um, or in central or southern Illinois. Again, same same thing happening um and then the other half is probably here local or some of the um um, we've got we've got basically three medical center areas where you think of where where you've got the the highest level of care in kansas city and st louis and, and where the university of missouri is located in columbia missouri they have a big medical center so that's where the higher level of care um patients tend to go so you get about so i think you said you get about a third of your referrals your, or your clients from referrals and about a third from word of mouth and about a third from the internet is that what you're starting to yeah say? okay that's that's pretty much it gotcha and uh okay so you mentioned before using tech and i i imagine being a solo with a caseload the size you have and um occasionally having to throw everything down to do suspend two or three weeks on a trial uh, the tech is pretty essential to leverage your time. So, yeah. H- how do you? I mean, what? Let's get an overview. Like, how wh- how do you use tech overall to to do that? What are some of the tools that you rely on? Well, um, and, and and how you and I met was I, I I think I probably was the smart aleck bugging you about something you'd said on lawyers many years ago, and from that you kind of said, well. Well, oh yeah, then then write a write an article for me. Uh, that's exactly and I did right. That for a while, I like yeah, I did that for a while, <laughs> um, and I and I think I I don't know if I've done one recently, but um, I, I, basically, it, uh, I started really leveraging it when I just made a conscious decision that I need to go paperless, and this has now probably been six or seven years ago. Have you forgotten what um, it's like to juggle paper? Because that's my problem now is I have a hard time talking to people about being paperless because I've forgotten what it's like to juggle paper all the time. Yeah, and and if you looked at my desk right now, you'd probably say, what are you talking about paperless? But <laughs> from, from the standpoint of I can pick up my laptop and go anywhere and have access to really my entire file on any case at any time. Um, and well, and Ernie, that Ernie is, Spencer and I talked about that a couple weeks ago. Is The, the key is not have you eliminated, eliminated all the paper in your world. It's do you have electronic copies of it so that you can right. have so the file, capital T, capital F, is now digital instead of paper. Right. And, and the, the 
the point where it became clear to me that I was making the right decision, and I remember it very vividly. I was in court. I was in an. Uh, I was in a, what I think it was. A, it was an outstate uh, courthouse, uh, and I had opposing counsel. Uh, and an issue came. We were arguing in a motion, and, and an issue came up where. Um, we were discussing a document that neither one of us had with us, that neither one of us were really anticipating being relevant, but the judge had asked a question. So the relevance of this document pops up and, and the opposing counsel is representing it one way. And I'm like, I don't remember it being saying that. I remember it saying this and we're going back and forth. And, and this is so long ago that, that iPhones were still fairly, um, New, not ever, not as many people had them. And I pull out my iPhone and, and I've got Dropbox and I'm pulling up, you know, I'm on my phone trying to pull up the document. And the judge is looking at me and he eventually says, you know, if you're going to play solitaire, I don't think this is the time for that. I said, Judge, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get up the document. He says, what are you talking about? Dropbox was very, very new at that time. Mm -hmm. And I said, I've got it. I can pull it up on here. And I pull it up and I show it to him. And he starts playing with the pinch to zoom. That was still new. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually goes, oh, he eventually starts reading it and says, oh, yeah, you're right. Turns to opposing counsel and says, yeah, that, it doesn't say that. You know, you, Mr. Hendrickson, your, your motion is granted. Uh, and then he turned back to me and says, okay, explain to me how this works. And right. we started having a 10-minute conversation about Dropbox and the phone and everything. And I said, okay, that's it. I, I can do this from anywhere. Did, you know, I'm curious. Um, did you ever have the experience? I, I had this early on where I would bring my laptop and I would go to open up my laptop at counsel table or or I would pull up a phone because I, I used my phone the same way. And uh, sometimes the bailiff would come over and tell me to to turn it off. Um, and, oh, yeah. And I would have to explain, no, 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 this is my file. Um, yeah. This was before I actually went to the paperless, but... It was, I was literally in the Missouri Supreme Court getting ready to, to argue a case. And I had my outline, what I was going to say, I had it in, in basically a, at that point in a, a, a keynote, I'm an Apple guy, mm -hmm. um, uh, presentation type of thing for myself. And I pull out my laptop and the Supreme Court's clerk comes over and says, oh, no, no, you can't do that. <laughs> and I'm like, with this panic looking on my face, like, what are you talking about? This is, I've got my argument here. This is how I've got my argument. And I did have a paper copy. He said, no, 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 you can't do that. I said, why? I'm just, I, this is, this is what I'm reading from. This is my paper. Um, and they were like, nope, nope, you can't do that. So I'm pulling out at the last minute, you know, my paper copies, my, you know, oh heck, oh crap backups. Mm -hmm. And, um, Apparently, the clerk had gone and talked to the judges, and the judges had said, "Okay, we'll allow it." Um, <laughs> and now it, you know, now it wouldn't, it wouldn't even be a question. Um, right. It wouldn't be a question at all. But it was that that was a big deal. That was a panic moment that I wasn't going to be able to use it. I, had, I used to have to answer that question at CLEs all the time, which was, "Are you going to be allowed to use your laptop in court?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and now the funny thing is, is, is I do, I, I do some tech related presentations for our state trial, uh, lawyers association. And, um, so, so the folks who, who run the association, um, 
call me when they have a question and one of them forwarded just for kind of a oh how far we've come moment um, with hey will there be an Apple TV available there so that I can do this wirelessly Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we were having a laugh over it because you know three four years ago um, somebody else was presenting and and we were all running around to see which one of us had the correct dongle to work with (laughs) with the AV (laughs) equipment that was at the at the hotel so So, so do you still use Dropbox? Yeah, I do. And do you Um, use any extra encryption for your client files? Oh, geez. I probably shouldn't answer this, but no, I don't. Well, uh, actually, Um, I I was just going to say, I consider this conversation about whether or not it's safe to use Dropbox without encryption. I consider it to be over because the DOJ, uh, the Department of Justice, that is, just decided to adopt Box for its cloud file storage and sharing. And Box and Dropbox have almost identical security protocols. So... Yeah, I mean, I've I, I've read it, and 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 I've read it a few um, ethics opinions on it, and have always come away with the with the feeling that you know this is just as secure, or, or if not more secure, than the paper files that I used to have in my office. Well, it's way more secure than most lawyers' file servers. Well, yeah, file servers for sure. And then, and, but you think about it, in the old days, you know, did we all lock our, our individual offices every night? Did we lock our file cabinets? No. 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 I mean, can you cleaning, do you leave the files open on your desk so that the cleaning staff can look at them? <laughs> yeah. And the reality was you left stuff piled on your desk mm-hmm. and you just assumed, like most everybody does, that the cleaning staff really doesn't care. Um, <laughs> right. And so I, I think Dropbox is, is just as secure. And the fact that I can access it from any of my computers, somebody else's computer, my iPhone, my iPad, you know, that convenience for me is, is paramount. So do you use practice management software? No, I do not. Because I'm not without an associate or somebody to be delegating to, it's me. So what I use to track things um, is primarily OmniFocus. Oh, okay. Uh, It's one of those things that I originally picked up OmniFocus and started looking at and and really couldn't make it fit. And then I, I talked to a friend who's not an attorney, but who was a, a heavy, a heavy on focus user. And he said, well, you, you're where I was when I first started looking at this. He says, and you're thinking of it wrong. You're trying to make it fit to, um, uh, the way they've outlined it and you need to rethink contexts and so forth for how you do your practice. So are you a getting and, things done guy then? Well, it, my, my, the reason I ask it, is my understanding is that OmniFocus is basically built around David Allen, David Allen's is. getting things done system. It, it is. And if, and if out of the box, you don't change the context or anything, it's, it's a getting things done basically system. But what I did was, rethink what context mean for me 
and uh, I don't have the traditional contexts of you know in office at computer on phone so so you know I have some of those but for me it's the various aspects of case preparation mm-hmm. so I may have a context of pleadings I may have a context for 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 medical research for legal research for review um, one of the the big uh, uh, aha moments for me was setting up one of the things we do all the time um, is ordering, you know, medical records and keeping track of that. Is it's always a nightmare, whether you're doing it yourself, whether an assistant is doing it. And I've had it both ways. And I ultimately came up with context that in OmniFocus, I could just switch the same entry. You know, I'd make an entry for that project, and the project is is the client because I normally don't have multiple cases for a client, so I think of a client as a project. Um, And I will then have a context of, okay, need to order medical records, waiting for the medical records, now need to review the medical records. And that way I can start by entering just the name of the hospital, you know, Mm -hmm. Memorial Hospital. Um, And it's sitting there with, okay, these are, these are records that we need to order. Um, and then once we've ordered them, I just switch the context to waiting for them, waiting for the medical records. And then once they arrive, then I switch the context to review the medical records. So it's a natural progression. So you do have practice management software, right? You just have hacked OmniFocus to work for you for it. Well, no, no, that's, I don't, I don't use outside practice management. No, no, I know, but you use OmniFocus to manage your practice. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's effectively what I've used it for. I've just yeah. come up with it for me. That's how I set my deadlines. That's how I set my reminders. Um, yeah, I'm using OmniFocus in, in, a, in a sense as a practice software for me. Since you're a, a Mac guy, does that mean that you have... Uh, are you into David Sparks, and have you checked out his OmniFocus field guide? Uh, I have not read his OmniFocus field guide, uh, or not not viewed his OmniFocus field guide. I need to. Yeah. Um, it's a matter of finding time. I <laughs> did do. I, I did look at his paperless book, and I thought it was yeah. fantastic. I, I was just wondering if that would be a good way to um, for people who are curious to see how you use OmniFocus. But since you uh, yours is not based I, on I, his, I guess not. Yeah. No. I. But I. But from what I've looked at on his, he does kind of the same thing, mm-hmm. and he may be changing his now. Now that he's left a firm setting and has gone to a solo practice setting in addition to all of his of, of his Mac related writings um, he may use it a different way but yeah I think that's probably a, knowing how good the paperless was and, and I read it after I was had gone paperless but I still learned things and it was great to see the affirmation uh, of okay yeah I'm, I'm doing it basically the same way so mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's not a better way out there, and, and it's all about um, finding how it works for you. Right. The the other piece of software that I think I I can't live without, and then I I probably only use ten percent of its uh, 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 tools, but those ten percent are probably half again more than what 
the average practitioner knows about and uses is Adobe Acrobat. Sure. And what what's essential about that? Um, the ability to manipulate the PDFs, the ability to to mark them up. It gives you the ability to do everything that you can do with a piece of paper on your PDF. Right. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting once you really start to get into Acrobat, there's just so much you can do with it and so many advantages that it has over managing paper files, I think. so. Oh, absolutely. What else can't you live without software or hardware-wise? My iPad. Yeah. Um, would no longer live without trial pad or transcript pad um, as a litigator. That's true. Your trial review pad. of trial pad was very, you are a, are a fan of trial pad. I am a huge fan of trial pad. And, and you would think, I, I've, I've actually met Ian Flaherty, the developer, uh, a, a number of times. We met, we were back-to-back presenters at, at my state. I'm, I'm a member of the Missouri Association of Trial Attorneys at our um, annual convention, and we were both uh, uh, presenting on a Sunday morning on, on tech topics. So um, we got to talking, and then from there, I, uh, he's you know, kept me up to date on when things were, advances were coming, mm-hmm. uh, and I've given a number of... of CLE presentations locally on using it because so many attorneys are interested in using it, but they're afraid of it because it's not the way we've always done it. It's not, you know, walking into court with a um, stack of of two by four foot or three by four foot foam core boards with right. on them that can't be that can't be changed, you know, as things change. Um, and they just need to know that it's okay. Uh, it's not giving them any addition, you know, any real insight. I don't think that they can't learn by playing with it, but they just gotta, they just gotta lose that trepidation of, of playing with it. Well, and I, so when it comes to the iPad, I feel like, you know, when, when it first came out, um, or we all started getting really exuberant and trying to experiment with different ways that we could use it. And then there was sort of a backlash where we all realized, okay, but our laptops are actually better for almost all of those things, and it's not really that convenient. Yep. It, with the exception of a few discrete tasks, one of which seems to be trial presentation, you seem to think that TrialPad is superior to a laptop. Absolutely. And, and, and here's, well, here, here's, I'll, I'll give you my experience. Yeah, well, you you have a lot of experience with this. Actually. Well, it was a, it, I was I was in a, and and, before, and I had actually from for again for my state TLE had had given presentations on on basically look you don't need to have all this expensive trial presentation software you can use the tools that are in Acrobat to to present you know mm-hmm. um, and that's the way I had done trials for three or four years. Basically, just having you know a, a my screen not mirrored to a projector and dragging things over and so forth, and it worked fine. But I was in the middle of a what turned out to be over three week long trial with, that we had literally done. I, I think it was forty something depositions. I don't know how many wow. doctors, thousands and thousands of pages of records, and. Um, had started the trial, um, and, and unusually for me, I had a colleague uh, enlisted to come along and help me try it because it was just that complex. 
and um, was in the second or third day of trial and was just struggling with the volume of things I was trying to put up and, and utilize and went back and I'd, and I'd had trial pad. I had never used it, had never really played with it, but was so frustrated. I was out of town, so I was in a hotel that I started playing with it, you know, as part of my trial prep and realized, you know, what the heck with this, I'm just going to use this tomorrow hmm. and downloaded what I needed for the next day. Um, spent that evening practicing what I was going to be using the next day as part of my prep and came in the next day and plugged in, you know, the, the trial pad and, um, off I went. And then within two days, my opposing counsel who was like me, uh, he had used an iPad throughout for, for reviewing documents and depositions came in and plugged this in. He goes, I've had this for, for a year. He goes, I've never, I've never used it. So I'm going to start using it now by the end of the, by the end of the trial, we were both using trial pad. Okay. It cracks me up that both of you had a, what is it like a $50 app for over a year and hadn't At used it. At that point. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it was just, and, and, and here I am tech. And the reason being was I never felt like I had, you know, I, I always was always assuming, well, I'll, I'll have a small case where I'm, I feel like it's okay to, to practice with this. Yeah. I gotcha. And I never had a small case go to trial. So I was like, you know, so here, <laughs> break it out for the, for, for, you know, the biggest case in, in, in my docket at that point, um, with, with virtually no preparation. And it was so easy to use. I mean, it sounds like it must've been superior to anything that anybody was doing it because your opposing counsel with their fancy rig switched over to, well, the, uh, yeah, an opposing counsel, you know, it's usually me against a, a decent sized firm and they had trial presentation software on their PCs. Mm hmm. You know, so they do the typical thing of, uh, you know, he, the, the attorney would turn to a paralegal or whoever and say, okay, you know, get me document number, blah, 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 blah. And up it would come. And he saw what I was doing um, and how I was able to on the fly. Okay, we're talking about this line. Let me, let me um, call it out. And it was so instantaneous and so fluid that he's like the heck with this stuff. I'm just going to do this. Mm -hmm. and, and we, afterwards we, we've, we've stayed on speaking terms even after the jury came back. Um, wow. and, and we both, you know, we're like, that's the one thing that we could kind of, uh, uh both agree on was, yeah, th th this is a game changer. Um, and I've since used it in two, three other trials. Um, and, just the flexibility of it is, I think, far superior. And so, the the, the one thing I always run into in, in talking to other attorneys about this is like, well, it's you know, it's a, it's what is it now? It's eighty nine dollars, and and there's a there's a discount for whatever it is for transcript and pad mm -hmm. and trial pad, but but standalone, they're they're ninety dollars. And everyone's like, oh, it's so expensive. And I said, okay, stop thinking about this that this is the 299 you know version of some game you're going to play to waste time in the airport while you're waiting for a flight this is your business right 
This is this is where you have to do your best. How, you know, and I ask him, how much do you spend to print up one of those boards that you then can't change? And it's a hundred bucks plus per board. I said, okay, so you spend this once, and you may have to to spend it again if they come up with another version in two or three years that's got so many more um, bells and whistles that they can't call it an upgrade anymore. Well, and trial um, director is eight hundred dollars. So. How much? Trial director is eight hundred seven ninety five plus maintenance. I don't know what maintenance is required, but well, yeah, like and the maintenance is the maintenance is substantial. Um, and then I think that's only. I may be wrong, but I think, but but there's, I, I know there's an annual cost to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a mech guy, it's not even an option. Right. So ninety bucks versus seven ninety five plus right. whatever is. It's not even if you can get the one, and if it's a better option. Um, or if it's just an, an, a more workable option for a solo, that seems like a no-brainer to me. Exactly. And, and from what I understand, they're going to introduce the ability to edit or, or, or in effect, do a, a version of a call-out from um, video files hmm. so that you can, you can on-the-fly present small snippets. That's coming in upcoming version so I'm looking forward to that. What else do you use your iPad for? Uh, I use the transcript pad now for for deposition review. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably the hardest thing to, to, to get used to doing um, in a paperless office was reviewing those and I, and I figured out a decent way to do it um, using the tools in Acrobat but once I started playing with transfer pad. I realized, yeah, this is this is much better because I can generate all the reports. Um, those are the two things that I use work related all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume I, you answer email and things like oh, that. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I should probably ask since well, since we started out talking about paperless. What's your scanner? Um, I use the ScanSnap. All right. I, I figured you'd say that, but <laughs> and I use well. I started off with a scan snap and used it for many, many years until the point where even replacing the replaceables would no longer get it to to pull things through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being frugal um, was pricing a replacement and realized that that I because I didn't need the Acrobat. Um, that some of the Epson and other ones were were much less expensive, um, and used an Epson for uh, probably three plus years, hmm. um, and then the old one I had at my home office crapped out, so I moved the Epson uh, to my home office and bought a new ScanSnap and and. And I'm really glad I'm back to the scan snap. <laughs> it's just it, the, the Epson was good. It it, it worked well, but it, the 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 ability for the scan snap now to detect the double feeds and so forth, I don't even worry about it anymore. Yeah, I, uh, I always and, find and, that I always find that uh, the other ones work. They're fine, um, but the scan snap just does everything a little bit easier. Just a, does it a little bit better. And the interesting thing is, I don't scan nearly as much as I used to. Um, because I mean, I, I we used to go through, um, you know, thousands of pages because we were scanning medical records in. 
And now probably 95% of the records that we get, we get in digital form. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to scan all that. And probably 90% uh, of pleadings in cases come in, you know, digitally. Uh, so I'm not scanning nearly as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that was, I, I found that as I went paperless, uh, there was a little bit of uh, things changed uh, for the people around me as well, or, or maybe they just learned to work with me better, but I started getting more things emailed instead of faxed mm -hmm. even. At some point, I gave up my e-fax service. Um, and, and yeah, people just started realizing that they could email and send and f digital files instead of stacks of documents. And and I'd start asking. I'd say, you know, if it's if it's all the same to you, could you give it to me on a disk instead of sending me a banker's box? Right. So, right. Um, so I found that too. I did a lot less scanning as as the years went on, um, both because other people started adopting more technology and and maybe just because there was less to scan. I don't know. Well, and and there's been a group of us in the state as 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 attorneys that have have pushed for some of this. Um, and, and, and I wasn't involved for the, for the push for the courts, but, but our, our state courts almost all have now gone to, um, online e-filing, which is just, mm -hmm. you know, there's no more trip to the courthouse to file. There's no more mailing it. Um, you know, you, you can do it from wherever you happen to be. I had a motion come in a couple of weeks ago when I was, uh, away on a trip. And I wrote a response and e-filed it, you know, 20 mm -hmm. minutes later. And I didn't have to think about it anymore. Um, and almost all of our, our courts, I, I, I think by the end of the year, all courts and all counties in Missouri will have it. And, of course, all the federals do. So that, that leaves me basically with uh, the cases I have filed in Illinois where most courts are not. And so that's really the only pleadings that I deal with having to scan anymore. That's yeah. I, I I think that's awesome. Um, so you're and then, you're close and we to also having. Gotta, a, I was just gonna say. So you're close to having a truly paperless existence. Yeah, yeah. And and our state now requires um, medical providers that that have the ability. They have to produce records to you um, digitally, you know, as PDF or or through a, a online portal, um, and they cap the cost. So the cost. Uh, to us of, of getting medical records has gone down dramatically Wow! Uh, because the state and, and we're one of the first states I think to have done it and basically recognize that you know look there's not this cost associated with producing a thousand pages of records digitally that there was paper so they've capped the cost um, you still run into to, to doctor's offices or whatever says, oh, we, we don't have the ability to do that. And you talk to them and you find out that, that you know, that they have digital records and all they have to do is figure out how to print the PDF, which many of them still don't know how to do. Right. Um, but, um, you know, they're, they're getting to the point with um, Medicare and Medicaid recipients that if you take those, you have to be digital anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're getting to the point where almost everything is coming in digitally now. Gotcha. So I, I recently read that, uh, at the end of an interview, you should always ask the, the subject of the interview. Was there a question you were hoping I would ask that I didn't get to? Uh, no, <laughs> no. Hey, good for me. 
No, I, I, I mean, because I, did, I didn't come in with any expectations because I've, I've, uh, I've known you somewhat for a while with, with doing some articles for lawyers, so I, I kind of knew this would be a, a wide-ranging group yeah. of topics. Well, it's been so much so great to learn more about your practice and how you use tech, and it's been really interesting for me. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, no problem, Sam. I appreciate it. Thanks. This episode of The Lawyerist Podcast is brought to you by Ruby Receptionists. Ruby answered the phones for my law practice for a couple of years. And here's the thing. When I was answering the phone, I was often distracted. I might be in the middle of reading a brief that pissed me off from opposing counsel uh, or dealing with something stressful or that I really needed to focus on. And so the phone rings. It's an interruption kind of drives me crazy and I'm never at my best. That's not the face I wanted to put forward to clients. So when I got Ruby, the whole thing changed for two reasons. First, because uh, the ladies at Ruby are fantastic on the phone. They're cheerful, they're friendly, they're helpful. And what happened is that people would regularly say, wow, I just had such a great experience with your receptionist. And second, because my instructions were that anybody who asked for me by name should be put straight through to me. The way that happens is it's a soft transfer, meaning the first person I hear from is a receptionist from Ruby who says, hi, this is so-and-so from Ruby Receptionists. I've got so-and-so on the phone and they're calling about this. Should I put them through? And so I have the opportunity to say, no, tell them to call this person, tell them I'll call them back later, please take a message, or sure, put them through and I'll talk to them. And just that little bit of buffer meant that by the time I got on the phone, I was prepared for the conversation and I could be in a much better mood. Hiring somebody to pick up my phones and answer my phones for me that is as friendly and professional and helpful as Ruby was one of the best things I did for my practice and for my sanity and productivity. So you should check out Ruby and you've got no reason not to because it's free for 14 days. And if you check them out by going to callruby.com slash lawyerist, they will also waive the setup fee should you decide to stick with them. And if you sign up for the trial, they will take good care of you. And I'm pretty sure you will want to hire them in the end. So go to callruby.com slash lawyerist and find out for yourself. Catch us next week for episode 22 when we talk with our friend Allison Shields, a lawyer coach and former lawyerist writer, about her new book, How to Do More in Less Time The Complete Guide to Increasing Your Productivity and Improving Your Bottom Line. Subscribe to the Lawyers Podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. You can listen to it at lawyers.com/slash podcast. You can also subscribe to the Lawyerist Insider, our weekly newsletter. Just go to lawyerist.com and look down the sidebar or click on newsletter up at the top. We'll remind you where to find the podcast whenever we release a new episode. Thanks for listening.